Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Slade, the Buffyverse Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Goofball Jeremy. I'm your other host, James. <laughs> and we will be diving into Season 2, Episode 2, Some Assembly Required. Some assembly. Before we get too far into this, Jeremy, let me ask you, are you uh, actually recording this episode? I am actually recording this episode, unlike last week. Um, if you happen to catch the audio-only version last week, uh, I put a little... Uh, little note ahead of the episode informing everyone that I had uh, made a bit of a boo-boo last week. A little oopsie. A little goof-em-up. A little oopsie and goof-em-up, if you will. A goopsie and a oof-em-gup. But no, (laughs) what happened? I mean, honestly, I guess it was the couple of months off, and I was just off my game, and, you know, I hit the theme song, and I didn't hit record. So luckily, you're recording for the video, and I was able to just rip the the audio from that, even though it's not it's not the same quality, you know, because it's it's being uh, encoded in video and all that. But at least people were still able to hear it. Um, right, right. So that was a, that I, was a major goof up last week. I, um, as you know, I listen I I listen to the podcast uh, every Monday when it drops. The audio quality was, it, it wasn't to me, and I'm not an audiophile, but there wasn't, in my opinion, a huge noticeable difference. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't awful. So. I ran it through the same filters and, you know, post, post-production shit that I normally do. Um, right. I could definitely hear, because I'm an audio dork, but I, I could hear um, artifacts and stuff in there, and, 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 and it was a bit tweaked loud and here and there it, it was a little goofy but it, it was definitely not horrible or or, or you know unlistenable right. so right listen all i know is you sounded funny and i sounded sexy so yeah yeah i know i mean it's we got to live with the cards we're dealt <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, yeah uh why don't you go ahead and uh i guess we can jump into some dates and deets yeah, I mean, if you don't have anything else to uh No, to, uh, do you discuss, have anything, yeah. Ames J? I don't. I don't. Been a quiet week uh, for me, for you. Been a quiet week? Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. always a quiet week for me. I'm a loser. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, I guess it hasn't been a quiet We are recording uh, our first few episodes in real time, and this, of course, was the week that uh, uh, some major changes happened uh, here in the U.S. of A., yeah. um, which we we won't uh, address directly because we're not that kind of podcast, but uh, I did kind of have the inclination after I said it's been a quiet week that uh, perhaps that was a wholly disingenuous statement. Yeah, I mean, I won't say <laughs> much. The, I just uh, want to say fuck the Supreme but... Court. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. let's jump into some dates and deets. We are covering as you previously stated uh buffy the vampire slayer season two episode two some assembly required well you have to uh, say it like i did required no <laughs> <laughs> uh no 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 i'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that uh our episode director is bruce seth green not that seth green's evil was... doppelganger as we all know yes um yeah ha- you can tell because he has a goatee right um He's from the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. 
Our, and he wears a sash. Uh, and he wears a sash, yes. <laughs> Our, uh, his hair slicked back. <laughs> kind of sash slash cummerbund, whatever you want to call it. Our episode credited writer this week is Ty King. Our original air date was September 22nd, 1997, and it aired on the now-defunct WB Network. Our regular cast, as always, includes Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy Summers, Nicholas Brennan as Xander Harris, Allison Hannigan as Willow Rosenberg, Charisma Carpenter as Cordelia Chase, David Boreanaz as Angel, Anthony Stewart Head as Rupert Giles. Our guest stars this week include Robia Lamort as Jenny Callender, Angelo Spizzari as Chris Epps, probably the most Italian name uh, I've yeah. heard in quite a while. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bacall as Eric Gittleson, Ingo Newhaus as Daryl Epps, Melanie McQueen as Mrs. Epps, and Amanda Wilmhurst as Joy. Our episode synopsis reads, Buffy discovers that body parts missing from girls' graves are being used to build the perfect woman. Well, <laughs> let's go with the IMD ver- IMDB version, which is, <laughs> and I just love this, mm-hmm. two science club nerds use body parts to create the, quote, perfect girlfriend for a teenager who has been brought back from the dead. So not only are they kind of spoiling shit, but they're just like, yeah, two science nerds, fucking nerds. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. A, co- uh, a couple of jocks Yeah. decided to write that synopsis. Yeah. Fucking science nerds. Fucking science nerds. God. <laughs> oh, Lord. Why don't you take it and give us, give us our, uh, our cold open, James? I will. We open, of course, at the cemetery. Of course. Buffy's chilling on top of a gravestone for a one Stephen Gorshik. She's got a yo-yo. She's, she is uh, yo-yoing. She's not she a yo-yo is, champion, but she is yo-yoing. She, yeah, she's definitely no... Um, um, <sighs> yeah. Ah, oh, shit. Uh, one of the... the I don't even know if you know of them, the Smothers Brothers. Sure. One of them was phenomenal with a yo-yo. I didn't know that. I forget which one it was. Yeah. Yeah. He had a whole act he did on the show. He called himself the yo-yo man and he would huh. just do yo-yo tricks. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, um, she's playing with the yo-yo and uh, um, we cut to someone approaching from behind her and it turns out to be Angel. And she's startled and... Um, she, you know, you know, you don't sneak up on people in a graveyard. You make some noise as you walk. You stomp or yodel, and um, as one does, as one does, and they start going back and forth, and um, they end up fighting about Buffy's uh, shenanigans in the previous episode, in particular, her her bronze dance with Xander. And uh, uh, as they're fighting, um, Stephen rises from the grave and attacks. Um, he he takes Angel out fairly quickly. Yeah, he does. Um, he just he Angel just gets housed. Yeah, 
by I this, mean, by, by this, this by this baby vampire, right? Um, and Buffy ends up ends up uh, staking him with a, a shovel that Stephen uh, himself had grabbed to defend himself against Buffy and Angel, and um, they're. Uh, they once Steven is staked, they start to fight again and and Angel is done with the conversation and he turns and walks away. And Buffy's like, No, I don't think so. You don't just walk away from me like that and she stomps off after Angel and ends up falling into an open grave and into a into a casket. And uh Angel comes back over to make sure she's okay and um He's he's you know like looks like another vampire rose tonight, and uh, at this point Buffy has stood up in the casket and she's kind of eye level with the ground and and she's looking around and she says she doesn't think so when she gets out and um, finds a a shoe, a woman's shoe, and she comes to the conclusion that the body had been dragged from the grave. Right. And that is our cold open. That is our cold open. And I'd like to make note of the, what the fuck, who was, who was handling wardrobe this week? What is with this tan members only jacket that angels wearing? Oh, I mean, what the fuck? What, where, uh, why? <clears throat> I would also like to point out that, um, and granted, she she wore a lot of um skirts in the first season mm-hmm. um very reminiscent of um a lot of her wardrobe boots and skirts is very reminiscent of of go-go dancers yeah yeah um, it's very in, late 90s ish attire yeah in the um but the the skirt she's wearing in this episode has a hemline so short it almost doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know who's running wardrobe this particular week, but they should be fired. And um, by fired, I mean actually set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was a little put off by... Uh, I did happen to see in the, in the trivia uh, notes, uh, this is the one and only time we see Angel in this stupid tan oh. dad jacket. You know, it's like something a dad wears to like, you know, King's Island in in you know <laughs> October or something. It's I don't I don't get it. Let's see, let's see, it's fine. Like I wasn't nearly as bothered by Angel's outfit as I was by like just how entirely inappropriately short Buffy's skirt was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The jacket <laughs> just, it could, you know, the scene is so dark, and Angel is a dark kind of brooding guy. And then he's right. this jacket is so bright, it's like blinding on the screen. I'm like, who the hell picked this? And why were <laughs> they not killed in public? Anyway, uh, so <laughs> we come back from what would have been a commercial break. And the Buffinator and Xander uh, walk into the library. It's the next day. They're at school. And Giles is sitting in a chair, facing another chair, and basically asking it out on a date. Um, he's clearly practicing you know lines on to to run on someone that he's wanting to ask for a date he's not doing so well uh he's like oh you idiot you know and they walk in and startle him and he gets all 
you know, flabbergasted and, you know, discombobulated. And he's like, oh, I don't you know. And they're like, yeah, we know you're, you're trying to uh, basically work on your pickup lines and, you know, wanting to ask somebody out. And, and they're like, it's obviously, obviously Miss Calendar. And he's like, well, you know, how do you know that? And, you know, they, they basically run through the whole last season's worth of, of stuff. And Buffy's like, so all that. Uh, spells duh and you know it's like it's not some big secret and uh, he anyway he gets annoyed and changes the sub- subject and uh, asking about Buffy's hump the night before did, did did Mr. Vampire Man show up and she's like yeah and blah 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 and um, Buffy Buffy's talking about fighting the vamp and um, she mentions Angel having showed up and of course Xander's immediately you know, a little pissy about it because, you know, super jelly man. And uh, then she kind of tells him the story of what she thinks. Well, she mentions the open grave and everything that she found, and and Giles is like, oh, so another vampire rose last night. And she's like, no, I don't think so. And she she kind of tells them what she thinks is going on, the whole somebody's taking bodies for some reason. She doesn't really know why, what's going on, and... Um, she, you know, she did notice that the name on the headstone was Meredith Todd. So Giles is like, well, why don't we get Willow to fire up this thing, talking about a computer, <laughs> and, uh, you know, look into this Meredith Todd, find out who she is, you know, what's what's going on, and and go from there. Yes. And that takes us to the hall, the hallway. And we see that uh, science fair registration is happening and Willow's writing her entry and uh, a young man, um, his name's Eric, uh, comes up to her with a camera and uh, starts taking her picture. and uh, Very, very creepily. Yes. And he turns around and sees another girl and makes a comment about her legs and takes her picture and... Um, how do you think uh, that would fly in today's uh, school in 2022? Uh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Who? Yeah, who knows? I really, really. don't know. Honestly. <laughs> um, so uh, another gentleman, another kid by the name of Chris comes up and uh, tells Eric to knock it off. And um, Eric looks at him. He's, he's upset, but he stops. Willow and Chris exchange pleasantries and he picks up the registration sheet for the science fair and she's watching him write. And, um, uh, uh, he looks at her and she says that she was wondering what he was going to do for the science fair. And he asks why. And she says, cause every year he wins and she takes second and she wanted to see what she was up against. And he tells her that the key to winning the science fair is that uh, the teacher doesn't, un- if the teacher doesn't understand your experiment, he's going to give you a higher grade. So it looks like he understands your experiment. Yeah. And then he, he reads what Willow's experiment is, and it's the effects of subviolet light, of subviolet light spectrum deprivation on the development of fruit flies. And he gives a little chuckle. He's like, that should do it. (laughs) 
um, at that point, Cordelia shows up and um, she says she's signing up under protest. And it turns out that uh, it we find out that the the uh, science fair uh, participation has been made mandatory this year. Yeah, which which now the whole scenario just doesn't make sense because if this if the science fair is mandatory why are they holding a sign up registration for it right like <laughs> it's so. only mandatory if you're a main character of this uh show <laughs> yeah. but like although like, do you re- do you remember i wanted to bring this up do you recall buffy xander or anyone else being you know forced to do this science fair because I sure don't. Having to sign up for it? No. Yeah. And granted, I this is the this is the only scene that makes explicit mention of the science fair, isn't it? No, I think it's mentioned a couple of other times, but we never see the actual science fair. Right. We never right. see anyone working on any type of uh, experiments or projects or you know. Right. Right. So, yeah. so I mean, it's just a presumably... total. It's a total throwaway thing, I guess, just to introduce right. the science nerds. Right. So. Right. Um, and again, I don't like the whole idea that it's ma- like I. I'm fine with the idea that it's mandatory. I don't think they. I don't think a school would ever do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you would be there literally for days. <laughs> right. Um, like Twelve hundred science projects. Right. Um, but I'm willing to get behind that idea. The the idea that's that's goofier to me is that even though it's mandatory, they've set up this like registration event for it. Yeah, it's mandatory now. Sign your name there. Right. But only if your name's Cordelia. No one else has to sign that. Because I'll tell you what, if I'm told something's mandatory, I'm not going to sign up for it. I'm just going to fucking do it. Right. Yeah, right. But in school, yeah. In school, if I was told something was mandatory, I just didn't come that day. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way I operated. So, okay. you know, either or works. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, so Cordy is doing this under protest and um, she says she doesn't think anyone should have to do anything educational in school if they don't want to which is fair it's a fair argument i know plenty of people that didn't bother to do anything educational in the in the course of their school years yeah well i mean i can see the, the the part of the argument of of i shouldn't have to like if you're not into science if you're not into foreign language if you're not you know it seems a little silly to to force you know high school students at that point you know like you have right. to do this. Like I get it. if you're they're in elementary school, you want you want everybody to do a little bit of everything. But in high school, right. it's it's like really you're 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 mandating a science fair in, to juniors in high school. You know? Right, but you're not teaching us how to balance our checkbooks or do our taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no <laughs> shit. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, and paying the teachers four four ninety five an hour. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Don't get me started. Um, so Willow reads what Cordelia wrote down and Cordelia's project is the tomato fruit or vegetable. Right. <laughs> and Cordy says that she wanted to do something she could finish, uh, in a weekend. Wow. A weekend yeah. to, 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 to knock that out. Right. Okay. Um, 
it's a fruit, Cordelia, just yeah. so you know. Yeah, I guess we now know, <laughs> not Charisma Carpenter, but I guess we now know the mental capacity of Cordelia Chase. <laughs> um, so Eric ends up taking a picture of her and uh, of Cordelia, and she kind of flips out a little bit at him. Um, not necessarily because he took the picture, but because he took the picture under the wrong lighting. Bad conditions. lighting, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, she makes a comment about she didn't think yearbook nerds came out uh, of hibernation until the spring. Um, <laughs> Everything has to and, be nerd. Science right. nerds, yearbook nerds, you know. And and Eric in, uh, in a line that rivals only Xander Harris's skeeviest of moments yeah. so far winks at Cordelia and says to her, it's for my private collection. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Could you imagine what that private collection looks like? Oh, my God. Um, So, again, Chris chastises Eric, tells him to stop. At that point, Buffy shows up, and Eric takes her picture, and she tells Willow that um, they need to go. Uh, she says it's the bat signal um so they leave um cordelia watches them go and uh she leaves and uh eric says to chris that you know she he says cordelia is so fine you know she'd be just perfect for us and chris says don't be an idiot she's alive and then we zone in on eric's face where he's like is she though? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, then we go to Willow, who enters the library, uh, joining everyone else, and gets on that infernal machine, the computer, and uh, starts searching for um, this Meredith Todd. And of course, immediately and easily finds everything she's they've ever needed to know about this person with a simple. Uh, pre-Google search. Uh, and so right about that time, Cordelia comes in to ask for help, ask for Willow's help with her science project. Uh, and Willow just immediately says, it's a fruit. <laughs> and uh, Shane, and she's, Cordelia says she would have asked Chris for his help, but it would stir up too many painful memories of Daryl. And you're just kind of left going, well, okay. And so they start uh, reading about Meredith and stuff. And, and Cordelia is just kind of having this conversation with herself, basically, um, about her inner pain and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and Giles comes out of his office, and he just, like, pats her on the, pats her on the shoulder and says, they're there. And then they just continue on the conversation, and she's just like, wow. Uh so they discover that Meredith Todd and a couple of her friends have had died the week before in a car accident. They were pep rally girls, and they were heading to a game and, and died in a car accident. And, uh, and they, I, from what I could understand, it sounded like they went to a, a, they were in a they were in the town next to Sunnydale at, an, at, a, at the like rival high school. Yeah, they went to um, Fondren High, I believe it. I've oh. got it in my notes somewhere. 
Uh, yeah, Fondren. Um, but I don't think it's in. I don't think it's in another town. I think it's another high school in Sunnydale, because Xander at one point says. Um, uh, what does he Yeah, about say? the crosstown body count. He, yeah, he says that Fondren might actually beat Sunnydale in the crosstown body count competition this year, yeah. which leads me to believe that Fondren is in Sunnydale, that there's another I, high school in I Sunnydale. guess it could be, but I all throughout watching this show, I never got the, the sense that Sunnydale was large enough to have two high schools. You know, I don't know. Who knows? Right. But, There's like I mean, 73 have, graveyards. So I was going to say, they have at least seven cemeteries, yeah, from what so I who, recall. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, they go on talking about discussing Meredith, Todd, and that there doesn't appear to be anything um, like supernatural about their deaths or anything. It just seemed to be just a random, you know, random accident. And so they basically come to the decision to go to the cemetery that night and dig up the other two girls who were in, because they, they know Meredith has been taken, to dig up their graves to see if they are um, empty, you know, and just, just kind of figure out what the hell's going on. And Willow asks Buffy um, if they should in, invite Angel. Buffy's kind of annoyed at him still, and she's like, uh, you know, no, basically no. I'll just lie and tell him I'm I'm not I'm staying in tonight and we're not doing anything and yada yada. Um, they do invite Cordelia, who uh, was like, oh darn! If only you had you know brought it up earlier, I would have loved to have canceled. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, she's busy with cheerleading practice, you see, so uh, she she can't make this. So uh, Willow mentions that uh, she'll bring food, and she's like. I'll bring the little, uh, everybody likes the the little powdery white donuts, right? And Xander's like, yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Do, I was, do you do you like the powdered donuts? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. See, I do, but I would much prefer, like, the cinnamon crumble donuts. Oh, yeah. Those are the, be- those are the number one top. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Nothing touches those. Man, no, they, yeah. they, ha- they have, like, a name, and, I, and I'm... I'm drawing a blank, or at least what hostess always called them, and I can't I can't remember what it was, but yeah, those are the do not even those are the king of donuts of of mini donuts. Yeah, you go ahead with the scene. I'll look up hostess what hostess calls those. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that night, as uh, they had said, they're they're all at the graveyard. Xander and um, sorry, uh, Xander and Giles are in are doing the digging, doing the hard work, and. Uh, uh, Willow and Buffy are just chilling on a blanket over by a headstone, eating powdery donuts and talking. And uh, oh, I'm gonna inter- They're called Crunch. They're just called yes, Crunch Donuts. Yes, yes. They are yes. top quality. The, yeah. So down. bad for the you best. and so delicious. Oh, yeah. Also, before you get too far into the the cemetery scene, mm-hmm. um, right before Cordelia leaves, um. Xander chides her a little bit about zombies. Oh eating, yeah, yeah, I forgot about eating that. Eating flesh. Yeah. And G- after she's gone, Giles corrects Xander and says, "Zombies don't eat the flesh of the living." What? How do zombies work in in this universe? I guess because I guess they eat just. He just was 
saying that they eat only like maybe the brains or something. I don't know. And and because I, I thought the I know, same thing. So what? Do zombies just go around digging up bodies and eating corpses? Right. Or maybe so, they eat roadkill. Or maybe they're vegan in that universe. Right. And you know? I don't. And if you remember, please please tell me. I know up until this point we haven't. I don't think they ever cover zombies in in the show. Do they? Well, not up to now they haven't, and I right, I right. don't know. I don't think I don't, they ever do. Or, I don't recall wait, that they do. I'm kind of remembering something, but it could I could be mixing it up with something else in my head. Man, I don't know. I would if I had to make an answer. I would say no. They don't. They don't ever deal with zombies in the right. show. But I probably that's probably something I should have looked up before we started recording. Yeah. But so but yeah, let's would, decide. Would, let's let's come to a decision that in the Buffy verse, zombies are vegans. And what and they, they do is they attack people's gardens at night, and they and they pull carrots and whatnot, and lentils, and they're literally no more threatening than a rabbit. Yes, exactly, exactly. They're totally turned off by eating meat. Uh, yeah, it's just not their thing. Uh, okay, please continue. Okay, so. Uh, Anyway, so Buffy and Willow are kind of talking about Angel and um, how he's jealous of Xander and, you know, just because he gets to be around her a lot and stuff. And Willow insists and says, love makes you do the wacky. And uh, then Buffy asks about this Daryl that that, uh, Cordelia had brought up before. And she explains that Daryl was... Um, Chris's older brother, and he was like this super, super like well-known, beloved uh, jock there at at the high school. Um, like all the women loved him, all the guys liked him, you know. And he was he was like the king of the school, and but he had died in some type of rock climbing accident. Um, but he, and he was like the the king of the football team and everything, and. And then ever since then, you know, Chris had had been not really hadn't been the same. He had been he became really quiet and withdrawn. And she said she even heard it. Her her mother doesn't doesn't even leave the house anymore. Their mother. And um. And that Cordelia had liked him, um. You know, was kind of into him. Was trying, wanting to be with him, of course, because he was the top dog of the school. And this all happened two years prior, by the way. Can I, while there's a, a little break here yeah, after your, by the way, did you, because I, I did when watching the episode, and I realized it's to drive the plot along, but this was such an out of left field conversation. Yeah, like, because in my opinion, because Cordelia to- had just very quietly, very quickly just mentioned a Daryl. And like, and it right. seemed like no one was even paying attention to her in the library. Exactly. And now 100%. Buffy's like, so tell me about this Daryl. <laughs> right. And that's exactly what I thought. Like, as soon as Buffy brought it up, I was like, I was like, what? This is literally like practically a throwaway line that Cordelia had made in the library that nobody was seemingly paying attention to hours ago, yeah. hours ago. And, and Buffy's all like, so 
tell me about this guy. I'm like, yeah. what? And it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if there was some some cut dialogue or a cut part of a cut scene. You know, right. that that they had. You know, I don't know for whatever reason had removed, but. Yeah, she all of a sudden seems very interested in tell me about this Daryl. Right. And I can um uh in um sorry. Um <laughs> in in my in researching for the episode, um I didn't I didn't find anything or references to um any cut scenes or or mm. cut dialogue like that. So it's just it's just I don't know, uh, just poor and, writing then. Uh, I, I was trying to cover for them, but I guess that's just poor writing. Right. Because and I mean, like I said, like I get it, like it's to drive the main plot along, but it was just it was just so just so completely out of left field. Yeah, they should have had it be a little bit less than a throwaway line in the library. Like Right. It should have been towards the end of their conversation to where she was, you know, and she started to talk and then about it, but then had to leave. And so now Buffy's trying to get from Willow, like, what's she never got to finish this story. What's with this Daryl thing? And Right. But, again, who are we to tell these uh, fantastic Hollywood writers anything? Right. And also, I, I real quick, um, uh, looked it up here um about um zombies in the in the buffy verse mm -hmm. and uh uh there's there's quite a a list of canonical appearances was it all in the uh, comics though yes that's what i figured because uh, they continued the show with the comics you know they did season 8 season 9 i think they're still doing it right um but and i'll 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 look more once we're done recording and maybe update in the future uh i can't find anything as far as like what zombie characteristics are well in the we we movie. have decided they are clearly vegan vegan yes <laughs> all right that's all that's all uh, <laughs> well there's not much left um at one point they they mention you know this would go a lot quicker if you girls would help and and Buffy says, "How does she say that? I didn't. I didn't put it down word for word, but that she's uh, she's a um, she, uh, she says I'm, I'm a traditionalist, or you know, and or she, I'm a I, I'm an old fashioned gal. Old I believe fashioned, men yeah. do the men dig up the bodies and women uh, do the cooking, something like that. Yeah, something I, like that. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, damn it. Well, then they finally Giles hits." Uh, the casket with the shovel, and he's like, oh, "Okay, we're there." And you know, uh, Buffy, you know, gets up and goes over and jumps down the hole with him. And <laughs> Giles and Xander are both too chicken shit to open the casket. <laughs> and Buffy's like, "Get out of the way!" And she goes over and she opens it up, and we don't know because then it would go. It goes to what would have been a commercial. And when we come back, James. We are. Uh, we see Cordelia and a couple other girls leaving the cheerleading practice, and Cordelia is telling them, you know, uh, if we don't get this down uh, by tomorrow, um, no one's going to be led by our cheers, and tells them to practice. 
and uh, um, they all get into their cars, and Cordelia keeps walking to hers. And yeah, just really quick. <laughs> yeah. So the girl she's with well, was two girls, I think, is who she's uh, with. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to be parked, you know, like right there by the exit of, I'm assuming, the gymnasium where they've been practicing. And for right. some reason, Cordelia is parked in another zip code on possibly another planet right. to make this more um, suspenseful, I guess. Because right. they're just parked right there, and then there's 379 parking spaces empty around their car, but she is parked, like I said, in, right. in another zip code. And let's let's just pre- let's go ahead and presume for a moment that this is that there this is a uh the parking lot at Sunnydale High mm-hmm. because why wouldn't it be? Sure, that's what I assumed. Um, right. And again, it for the purposes of storytelling, Cord- Cordelia is parked further away to build suspense. Mm-hmm. But we all know that someone of Cordelia's status. Even though it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in writing or anything, she would have primo parking in that in that lot. See, I hadn't even thought of that, and you are one million percent <laughs> exactly exactly. She would have the princess parking spot, right? Yeah, like it wouldn't matter. You know, the argument can be Cordelia probably shows up, you know, late for school or or you know one furthest parking spot available. It doesn't matter. The, no one takes chase, no one takes the princess's parking spot. Exactly the, because she, her family is rich and powerful, and she is yeah. she is top of the heap in yeah. that in that school. Definitely, every it would be an unwritten rule. No one takes Cordelia Chase's parking spot, and that parking spot would be the closest one to the school entrance yes if sunnydale high or school, whatever entrance she chose to yeah wherever she it. yeah if if sunnydale high school was the human centipede she <laughs> is the very front <laughs> she's at the front okay her her mouth would not be sewn <laughs> to anybody else's asshole no there will be no anus <laughs> to mouth sewing for cordelia no 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 you really you just have a way of taking it in in a direction that I I never would have imagined. I, I try to take things to a level that, that most humans wouldn't even think of, let alone right. if they did, let alone say, I make sure to yeah. say it. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's my lot in life. Okay. At least you at least you've you've found your path. Yes. Yeah. It's I found my passion and I'm and I'm happy. Good. Okay. So uh the other two drive off as Cordelia is walking to her car, and of course she hears something uh, over by the fence, and she stops to look around, and she says, "Hello," which this isn't just a Buffy thing, and I, and I know countless other people have talked about this. What? Why do people always do shit like this? Yeah, yeah. And, and like, hello, look. Johnny, is that you? Fuck that. Yeah, if this if is a joke, heard... Xander Harris, I'm going to be really mad. And then she drops right. her keys, and they not right. only, you know, fall, they somehow go under the car about 14 feet where she can't even reach it by getting down on her hands and knees. 
Right. So, like, totally against this, the laws of physics, but, you know. This always bothers me in, in horror movies, and I love horror movies, uh, but it always bothers me. People hear something, they're clearly scared by it, and they take the time to yell out hello or call someone's name. or yeah. No, get in your car. Get in your car. Get out of the house. Get into the house. Whatever. Stop calling for people. Well, it's like in the Friday the 13th when you hear that, Right, and the person's right. like, "Huh? What? Where? Who? Right. Who, who is that? Fuck right. that! I'm running so goddamn fast at that point. The movie's over. Credits are rolling. Right. Jason, don't but get you, to kill nobody because that motherfucker is gone. Right, but you do realize that in universe they're not hearing that. Music. But they seem to because every time it happens, the person will like jerk and like look around like, "Huh? What was that? Right. Did you hear well, that? That's because the music almost always accompanies them hearing." Some type of footsteps or, yeah. yeah. Doing something in yeah. the movie. But I'm just but, like, why is it if you know you're, you're in a creepy lake right. where motherfuckers have been getting not just killed, but like horrifically massacred. Right. Why are you right. even still there? I would be so fucking, I would be totally like 20 miles up that road hitchhiking. Right. And, and you know. And in a lot of those, a lot of those movies, if you'll recall, um, they don't even like the the final girl doesn't even realize that everyone else is dead till towards the end of the movie when she starts randomly finding the staged body. Yeah, like one's yeah. like stuck to a wall right. and yeah, I'm like, man, he spends a lot of time like staging his 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 Very exhibitions theatric. of murder and anyway, in, back to Buffy. But just one more in my mind, if I'm if I'm in a situation like that and all of a sudden, all of my friends or the other people I'm with go missing, whether I've found their dead body yet or not, I'm probably leaving. Yeah, and I'm not looking for them. I'm, right, I'm, I'm too gonna, old for that shit. I'm, 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 not, I'm not putting I'm, a search party on. Right. I'm going to the, to the local authorities. I'm going to be like, listen, I was out at the old campground. The people I was with all started to disappear. I don't know what the fuck happened to them. I'm not fucking going back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually going to leave. I'm just making the report right now. Right. You guys are on right. your own. Um, I'm going back to Delaware. Right. So fuck this, was, fuck you, and I'm out. I wasn't particularly close to any of those people. No, no. I've only, known, I've only known them for like a year. We were <laughs> camp counselors together. I mean, I don't even know any of their middle names, so fuck this. <laughs> you know what's up. I'm out. Uh, but, yes, so Cordelia uh, has dropped her keys, and they've managed to roll under her car as she's approached. Oh, uh, oh, oh, this, wait, this this makes me want to bring up the other thing that I was thinking okay. of during this. So this is what, ninety? this is 97, right? 97. Okay. I feel comfortable in stating this then. Cordelia's rich. Cordelia's yes. parents, well, I should say Cordelia's parents are rich. Yes. She is, therefore, a rich kid. Yes. She has a nice car. You can see it. It's mm-hmm. definitely some type of import, you know, nice mm-hmm. nice car, nice uh, sedan. When she gets to said sedan, she's putting the keys into the door to open it. That car 100% would have remote locks. Thank you. Thank you. That key one or that car one million percent. She has a key fob and yeah. would have been like a click 
and and because even if it didn't come standard, everybody put that on their cars back in the day. You right. know, like the car alarm thing that would tie into the lock system. You know, keep, right? People, yeah, people give me a that break. could, pe- yeah, people that could afford it would have would definitely would have done that. And yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that drove me crazy. I'm like, why is she? And then she turned the key. She had it one way, and then she turned it another way. I'm like, no, that right. that car 100 percent had a double cut key that you could put in either way. You know what I'm saying? Like they did not make single cut keys. Had not made those since like '92, right? You know, right. I, oh. again, especially like you said on a on a higher end import nice import yeah. car. That, and I know that I'm nitpicking, rich, but damn it, that kind no, of shit drives right. me crazy. That, that rich parents would have 150 percent bought for their spoiled daughter. Yeah, because yeah. she would have just jogged at that point when she heard the noise and been like bloop bloop, and then jumped right. in the car. Gone. She, and Angel would have been like, "Well, fuck. We're okay." And that would have been credits. Right. <laughs> Episode well, over. And now you just now you just spoiled the suspense. <laughs> Who was stalking Cordelia? God damn it, J- Jeremy. Uh, that's um, that's what I do. That's how I roll. But yeah, she's 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 digging around trying to get her keys, and um, she sees shoes approaching under the car, and she gets up to run, and um the person follows her and um, walks past a dumpster and has some very to... strange boots on too. Did you notice that? Yeah. They have like these once... buckle things hanging off of them. It, I thought it was a chick. I really did. Like they um, looked like, um, Oh, what were those fucking things called in the nineties? There were these boots that, that girls would wear and they had like the buckle looking things on them. I don't know. I don't uh, know anything about it female fashion but the the only boots i'm aware of are the boots with the fur boots with the fur <laughs> no, no nothing never mind okay it's yeah a song, it's a song lyric oh okay that went way over my head but yeah <laughs> i don't know i just i thought it was a female and i don't know anyway so till i saw the, person, the radical tan jacket so the person walks past the dumpster and once they're past the lid of the dumpster opens and cordelia is hiding inside the dumpster and she looks around to make sure the coast is, is is clear, pushes the lid all the way up, and turns around again to get out, and boom, there's Angel. Yeah, with his radical tan, members-only dad jacket. And uh, please, guys, if you are ha- if, if if you're not actually watching this episode or haven't seen it or whatever, please watch it. Just just tell me that I'm right. Write in and tell me how right I am and how. St- stupid that jacket looks it's like putting it's like i don't know it's like putting he-man in a scarf like i don't get it's just stupid i don't i don't know that it so here's the thing i always got the impression that angel's style even in the modern is not members only tan dad jackets no but see i never i didn't take the i i didn't look at that as like and see a members only tan dad jacket I always got the impression that his style, even in the modern day, was more reminiscent of the uh, was more of a callback to the 1950s. Um, what, like Fonzie? Not even, <laughs> not even that. Oh. <laughs> um, but that—that's always the the uh, the impression I got from. 
from the way he's he's he dresses. I mean, um, I think in in the first season and early in this second season, they're kind of trying to figure out what his style is. Right. But right. goddamn, this fucking missed the mark really badly. And obviously, somebody agreed with me because it literally said in the trivia notes this this brown jacket was never seen again. Like I'm sure Joss Whedon had it burned, and the person fired and probably harassed somehow. Well, and even even outside of the character of of, um, of Angel, I don't I don't necessarily know that um, brighter colors work on. And I'm not I'm not a I'm not a you know fashion designer or yeah. anything like that. Clearly, you're not. But it, no. Oh. Um, but I don't, I don't know that brighter colors in general work on someone like David Boreanaz. Well, not just that, but such a dark show because, well, yeah, so many true. of these scenes are shot dark, very dark, and right. it's it's just the type of show it is, and it just right. that makes that that kind of thing just stick out like a sore thumb, and it just looked. I don't know. I know I keep harping on it, but it, it bothered me from the first scene we saw him, and it bothered me to the end. I kept thinking, take this fucking jacket off. I swear to God, can't something happen to this jacket? Like it gets ripped off of him or, or, or something. I don't know. So Clearly, I'm she, bugged by this. Yeah. Um, she turns around, and Angel's there, and of course, she's startled, and uh, he's like, He's surprised to see her. He's like, oh, this is the last place I'd expect to see you hanging out. Yeah. And uh, she's thankful that it's him, but is also quick to ask why the fuck he was following her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, I wasn't really sure it was you. I'm looking for Buffy. And uh, he, t- she tells him that he's at, she's at the graveyard. And he says, well, she said she'd be at home. And... Which raises a question, if Buffy told Angel that she was going to be at home, why the fuck was Buffy, why the fuck was Angel at Sunnydale High looking for Buffy? Well, I got the impression that he probably went to her house and she wasn't okay. there, like she had said she was going to be, and, and, and he was just like, what the fuck? So maybe he went, but I don't know why his okay. first go-to would be the high school. Right. Because right. when is she normally, when is she ever there? Like after hours, <laughs> right? You know? Right. I it, yeah. Were I Angel? Okay, let me ask you this: Had this been you, where would have been the first place you would have went to look for Buffy? Yeah, at night when she's not. Oh, home. I I would have gone to a cemetery. Okay, one thank of, you. One of the cemeteries. Okay, thank yeah. you. And that's where she was. Right. So yeah, I don't think that that's too wild to say. Right. I mean, especially because it's. It's early enough that that Cordy and the other cheerleaders are are just getting out of cheer practice, which presumably doesn't isn't going to run into ungodly hours of the night. Yeah. So presumably, it's, right. So it's still early enough to to not be like, oh, it's it's late. I I'm going to go to Buffy's house to see if she's there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because um, every other time we've seen him just randomly show up at Buffy's window, it's, you know, the dead of night. Yeah. 
you know. And he just appears. But anyway. Right. But anyway, I I hadn't considered that he had probably gone to her house. Yeah, he did his little there. he did his little quick in the window thing and was like, "Hey." And then nobody was there and he's like, "Oh, fuck." Right. So he had to <laughs> quietly and and like sadly right. leave. Right. He was like, "Fuck, I ruined my cool entrance." My cool no entrance. One's no one's even here. here for it. Um so yeah, so Cordy's like, "Oh, what a rascal she lied." And she's like, She's like, well, my night's free. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she tries to get out and um, her skirt is stuck. So she reaches behind her to get it loose and she does. And she ends up picking up what was what her skirt was caught on. And it's a severed hand. She screams and drops it. She doesn't just scream. She fucking... Jamie Lee Curtis. She PTSD. Like, I just saw the murder of my whole family in front of me screams, you know. And it's just a hand. I I don't know. I'm not saying it's cool, but Jesus, she went a little. You're so casual about it. It's just a hand. I know, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, the, the Scooby gang returns from their graveyard trip back to the library. And both coffins were, in fact, empty. So, and they see Angel and Cordy there. And, of course, Cordy's all hugged up on Angel. And, you know, she's so scared. And she's just been so traumatized. And uh, <laughs> Angel's, uh, Angel and Xander's, they're like, Angel, Angel, Xander, Angel, Jane, Xander. You know, they're just... They're very stiff and uh, unhappy with each other, clearly. And uh, basically, he knows that Buffy lied. Um, she tries to kind of keep it going at first, but he's like, I was at your house and blah, blah, blah. And Cordelia's told me everything. And so. Um, see, that would have, if I had been paying more attention to the episode, that would have answered my previous question of why. Oh, was that's Angel true. Looking? Yeah. For yeah. high school. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they tell, they, he tells the gang that, that you know, they, they found, they've found parts. No whole bodies, but parts from, from a couple, at least. And, um, so they kind of let Angel in on the whole thing at this point. Um, and, yeah, this is where Giles is kind of like, well, you know, who, why would there be, the cemetery's five miles away. Why would there be body parts in the dumpster here at the school? And Buffy's like, Buffy is basically like, well, you know, if they go here, you know, they're already coming here kind of thing. And he's like, oh. But then he's, you know, they they have a brief conversation. I have a clip of it. I'm gonna pl- I was gonna play that clip, um, okay. of basically Giles not understanding like he's because he says who would have, well Angel Angel mentions that that this was not like like some random sloppy hack job, like whoever right. made these cuts and stuff like they were precise. They knew what they were doing. So so here's here's that clip. This was no hatchet job. Whoever made those incisions really knew what they were doing. Yes, really. What student here is going to be that well-versed in physiology? 
Well, I can think of five or six guys in the science club. And me. So, Will, come clean. Promise to never do it again, and we'll call it a night. He joked. Willow, why don't you get these guys' locker numbers and we can do some checking? So, like Buffy said, you know, she wants Willow to get the locker numbers of, of these guys. And which, when she says that, these guys, like, how does she know which people she wants to? I guess she meant all of the, the people that, that Willow could think of in the science class who could make these precision cuts, is, I guess. Right. Right. Which is for. Keep it, keep, go ahead. Because for one, for one, Willow does say does say five or six guys yeah. in the science club, and two, keep in mind this is ninety seven when writers weren't nearly as cognizant of uh, gender pronouns yeah. as they need to be nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So they. Uh, Willow goes off to the computer again. I guess she just types in www.gimmesomelockercombinations.com and somehow she's just she just pulls up their locker uh, combinations. Because I remember, this is off the subject, but I remember when I was in high school, like if you would somehow, because this happened to me once or maybe twice, where I would just completely forget my freaking locker combination and I'd have to go to like one of the offices, I don't know. But it was like a big deal a big ordeal for them to like find it would be like buried in some file and a filing right. cabinet. But here and, and, and they're just doop, 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 doop. Nope, here's all the locker combinations. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, at the very, uh, if, and if nothing else, at the very least, Sunnydale high is on the cutting edge of technology. The cutting edge is fucking right. They've clearly, they have everything online in an in an unsecured website that to, to to be fair if i was if i was a school administrator and i had to keep track of everybody's locker combinations i would put that shit in a spreadsheet well yeah <laughs> but you would you would also well okay we're cuz we're going to assume that willow's a super hacker so well, I'm also going to assume that she's probably in sort. She's not just on. She's probably on an, an on an intranet, not an internet. Yeah, yeah, but I'm but I'm just saying, like she's a. She doesn't. She never has to spend very much time, quote right. unquote, hacking anything. She's just like, right. Okay, there's everything you've ever wanted to know about this person. <laughs> like most shows, it's not like this show is the only one guilty of right. this. I mean, right. One of you know our favorite show Highlander was very bad about this, especially in the first couple of seasons. But anyway, yeah. uh, so Detective did, Duncan McLeod. Yes, I'm going. Are you are you hacking on your computer again? <laughs> Hacker macker. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they uh, let's see where did I leave off? Oh, the clip. Yeah. So they they um, let's see how where did I leave off? Okay, the group decides to start investigating these these guys, but uh, Cordelia insists that she's leaving because she's too fragile. She needs to go home. She needs to clean up, burn her clothes, etc. And she asks Angel to accompany her. And even though he doesn't really want to, can't think of a way to get out of it, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So they go off, and Buffy's clearly miffed. <laughs> I I love the look that SMG and David Boreanaz 
exchange yeah. with yeah. each other in this scene. Like they always had, is, they were always good at doing that. And they, yeah, they, they always like, had great chemistry on screen together too. Like it's just the very subtle, like angels, like I don't want to go with her look and Buffy's like, I don't want you to go with her but I don't know what to do about this. Yeah, neither one of us can come up with anything quick enough. And Cordy Lee's <laughs> right. like, okay, great, I'll drive. Yeah, I so. like I I absolutely love just their chemistry in general and um and not just them, but any actors that are able to convey like so much with just, just facial expressions yeah. and not dialogue. Well, especially are... especially I think when two air actors whether it's it's a romantic thing or it's just a friendship, when they have such good chemistry on camera together, and right. the, and they're able to just act that way with each right. other, you know, and you can get that as a viewer, you know, without without dialogue, yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. just like, oh yeah, I know that look. I've I've given that look to someone before, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we go to the Epps household. This would be Chris and. Um, the dearly departed Daryl's uh, home, and we see their their mom sitting in a uh, you know recliner there, staring at the television, smoking a cigarette that has a ash on it like this long, and I just keep going ash the fucking cigarette. <laughs> but anyway, um, so she's smoking away, and so you can clear, clearly tell this is the nineties because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chris comes out and he's like, you know, talk. He's trying to talk to her, but she's just completely zombified, staring at this this TV screen. And he's like, "I'm going out, mom." And she doesn't even look at him or say anything. She just keeps smoking her three mile long ash cigarette. And he says, um, "What does he say? I'll be back. I'll be back soon." Something, yeah, something, something like along that. those lines. And she still doesn't respond. She still doesn't look at him. And he just kind of, he's like, Ugh. so he just goes on out the, the front door. And then the camera kind of kind of comes around, and you see that she's watching old uh, videos of dearly departed Daryl uh, playing football. And she's just transfixed. So clearly she loved Daryl <laughs> and, and can't give a fuck about Chris. This is... This is because she's sitting happened. there just smoking and blowing it on him. And I, I don't know. Clearly not. This is this is something that um, I I would almost consider it a a trope in television movies at this point where you know you've got a a multiple sibling family and one of the siblings dies and and one of the parents or both of the parents whatever just kind of come becomes completely despondent to the remaining children. Yeah, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Who's paying, like, bills and who's, like, cooking food? Because she's just sitting there in this nightgown, zombie. Her hair is, like, looks like she stuck her finger in a light socket, (laughs) and she's just smoking this cigarette and staring. I'm like, right. Yeah, come on. And, and like, I I 100, like, I get that the death of a child is awful and traumatic. I don't know. Um, I don't don't have any. well, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, as I don't have kids myself. For me, but... it would be a joyous occasion. I hate kids. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And oh, I am not kidding. 
God. I am not kidding. Um, no, I just don't like kids. You know. So I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a child. But that being said, I have to imagine that no matter how traumatic it is, you wouldn't, you wouldn't become completely despondent to your remaining children. Well, maybe she always hated him. Maybe. You know, maybe maybe, maybe uh, Daryl was always the favorite, and and she always mistreated uh, poor Chris there. And uh, right, who the fuck knows? She looks like an oddball, so you True. know, I wouldn't put it past her. She won't ash her cigarette, so <laughs> that drives me insane. <laughs> and that will brings us back to Sunnydale, and we're in the halls now, and they're all um, they're all searching lockers they've they've each taken a locker and they're and they're searching them and um um buffy buffy finds eric's is going through eric's locker and um uh she doesn't find anything there and um oh no i'm sorry um She's at Eric's locker, and everyone else is going through other people's locker. And locker fi- Willow finds a locker with some old issues of Scientific American in them. Um, uh, uh, Xander opens Chris's locker and finds a bunch of books about anatomy. He finds Gray's Anatomy, um, Mortician's Desk Reference, uh, Robichaud's Guide to Muscles and Tendons. Um, How to Dissect a High School Girl. <laughs> no, no, oh, that, oh, that no, one's that not one in there. there. Okay, no, okay. No. Um, that was uh, blacklisted. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're not allowed to. Uh, oh, are, they, that are they in, in uh, the, Texas? In the libraries. Was Sunnydale in Texas? <laughs> um, Giles reaches into the, to the locker and he pulls out a newspaper. Um, uh, uh, and it's folded up and he unfolds it and it's a picture of the three um, girls that died in the car accident that we had previously seen. Poor Meredith. Um, yes. And uh, of course, Giles says, you know, he's like, I, it's fair to say that Chris is involved, obviously. You think, um, Giles? Uh and Xander's like, okay, he's into corpses, but we don't know why. And Buffy says, yes, we do. And she opens Eric's locker door so that everyone can see it. And it's there's a picture collage of a woman, and it's made up from various parts uh, of women from various pictures. And we cut to Chris's basement, and Eric is singing uh, My Girl um, while Chris is working on a body. And um, um, they have a little back and forth about getting the body finished, and um, uh, Chris says he's working on it. Eric says he is too, at which point he hangs up some newly developed pictures of Buffy, Willow, and Cordelia. And 
that will take us back to Sunnydale High, and we're on the the outer upper balcony walkway. And uh, Buffy walks up to Willow and Xander, who are sitting there on the railing, and and uh, Xander asks if there's any sign of Chris or Eric, and Buffy says not yet. And uh, um, she questions why anyone would want to make a girl, and, and Sander says, "You mean when there's so many pre-made ones just laying around?" Yeah, pre-made. <laughs> um, mm. And he he quips, you know, the things we do for love, and Buffy says this has nothing to do with love. Um. Uh, and Xander says, maybe not, but I'll tell you this. Uh, people don't fall in love with what's right in front of them. And Willow and Buffy exchange a look. And uh, uh, Xander keeps going on about, you know, people want the dream and what they can't have. And the more unattainable and the more attractive and... Um, Willow says, well, for Eric, the unattainable would include everyone that's alive. <laughs> um, they walk down the stairs and, um, you know, Buffy says, Eric's sick enough for something like this, but why Chris? You know, he seems like a, <laughs> a decent human person. And um, uh, Willow says she doesn't know, but after his brother Daryl, you know, died, things were really hard on him. And he talked about death a lot. And maybe he just wanted to get, you know, one up on it. Um, uh, Buffy says, you know, but you know, you can't do that. You know, it's not doable, you know, making someone from scraps and, you know, bringing them to life and, Willow says, well, my science project's definitely coming in second this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, underneath uh, Raising the Dead, yeah. Uh, and Xander sees Giles, and he says, speaking of love, and Willow says, we're talking about the reanimation of dead tissue, and Xander says, do I deconstruct your segues? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he always has the best lines. Um. So they all approach Giles and um, uh, they're talking and Giles is distracted and um, uh, um, like they're they're trying to talk about the situation at hand and Giles is distracted and um, so uh, they end up they end up segueing into giving him advice on, you know, how to ask Miss Calendar out. And uh, uh, they walk away and um, Jenny approaches Giles and they continue their, you know, their way into the school and, and they're talking and uh, um, uh, Giles is getting ready to, to finally ask her out and uh, the bell rings and Jenny says she's got to get into the class and set up. And uh, um, so she goes in and, you know, he's he's chastising himself for not being quicker about asking her out. And, um, 
she pops her head back out of the class and uh, basically asks him out. She's like, you know, if what whatever it was you had to talk to me about is so important, how about if, you know, we just get together at the football game, you know, and we can talk there. Um, and she ends up uh, going back into the classroom and they have a date for the football game after class or after school. And Giles is jumping for joy. He is. So the gang starts, <clears throat> excuse me, the gang starts investigating. Uh, Willow comes up with some theories about how Chris and Eric are planning to animate this girl they're building. Um, electricity, uh, shots of adrenaline, etc. Uh, and then Buffy finds out that both of them are missing from school today. They are not there, which may mean they're done with this project, but Giles doesn't think so. He's talked to a reporter who told him that the police sorted through the remains that, that they found in the dumpster there at the school, and they found three heads, which means apparently they still need a head for this for this body they're trying to construct. Um, but judging by everything else that's missing and whatnot, it sounds like that's the only thing they're missing is a head. Um, so we cut back to, um, I guess the Chris, Chris's, uh, basement and he and Eric are arguing. Eric's insisting that they need to get the head soon, um, or the body will be unusable. I'm not sure <clears throat> why I guess it'll rot. I, I don't know, but it's going to become unusable very soon if they don't get the head and get this thing animated, um, and he's, he's, Eric is saying, you know, we don't have time to wait around for another, you know, lucky accident. And Chris is just like, no, I'm not going to kill. I will not kill. Uh, take a life, blah, blah, blah. And he, he turns and he starts talking to this, somebody that's kind of standing in the shadows there. And he says, you know, please don't make me do this, blah, blah, blah. And then a man comes out of the shadows and he's gross. He's he's got cut like stitched together patches everywhere, and he just he looks hideous like a zombie. And dun dun dun, it's Daryl, his brother who had died in the rock climbing uh, deal. Um, he's apparently uh, Chris has done this before, and he brought his brother back. And Daryl reminds him. He said, you know, he says, you promised me that, that I wouldn't be alone and um, blah, blah, blah. And Daryl won't go out in public or anything, and he's just kind of hiding. He's just in hiding forever now. He looks hideous. And basically this is, you know, bride of fucking Frankenstein here. He wants a, he wants a bride that he can be with for all time and, and in hiding. And he, he basically guilts the shit out of his little brother and, Finally, Chris agrees. He's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And um, so Eric's, you know, he's a creepy little fucker, and he's happy about it. So he puts he puts down a bunch of pictures, and and uh, Daryl looks at him eagerly, and he's like, this one. And he pulls it. Eric lifts it up and looks at it, and the camera sees it, and it's Cordelia. And he starts singing or humming My Girl again, and, cuts out the picture, and then cuts off the head at the very end. 
And so, yeah, he's a, he's a creepy little fucker. That's, that's <laughs> clear at this point. Chris is more of a reluctant uh, go-along guy, but Eric right. is a, clearly a psychopath. Right. Uh, that takes us back to the library, and uh, uh, Will is talking about how um, she checked the obits, and um, there's nothing that would be a likely candidate um, for Eric and Chris as far as a head goes. And uh, um, Willow um, comments that uh, the reason they couldn't use the three heads they previously had is because of formaldehyde. And Giles points out that, you know, it accelerates the uh, decay of the brain cells. And Willow says, yeah, after a couple of days, they're useless. So they would need something really fresh. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, Giles remembers, or Buffy um, tells them uh, to go to uh, Eric's and uh, her and Giles are going to go to Chris's um, and then they'd all meet up and Giles remembers he can't because he has to go to the game with Miss Calendar and uh, which why can't he just like tell Miss because she knows everything that go that's that's going on that's you know that's actually she's in right. on the whole thing why can't he just say hey you know this crazy this is what's happening you know and just make her part of it like why does it have to be this big I don't know. It just seems like unnecessary drama. Because he's, he's trying to lay pipe. I know, but it's like, can he just be, what's he going to lay pipe at a fucking high school football <laughs> game, you know? Can he just be like, um, yo, uh, zombie. Why not? I know plenty of high schoolers that laid pipe at a high school football game. Yeah, so. but I think it probably wouldn't <laughs> go over too well if a couple of 40-year-old high school uh, officials were laying some pipe on the bleachers at the high school football game. Uh, Call me crazy. So Buffy tells him it's fine, that they'll take care of it. Um, and uh, and that, you know, they'll all meet up at, at the football game at some point. Um, Willow asks Buffy not to be too hard on Chris. You know, he's not a vampire. And Buffy says, no, he's just a ghoul. Yeah, and they all exit the library, and we cut to Chris's house, and Buffy's at the door, and surprisingly, in my opinion, from what we've seen already, Chris's mom actually answers the fucking door and seems and, and seems somewhat lucid, right? You know, um, I didn't notice was she still smoking a cigarette? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Oh, okay. Um. So Buffy introduces herself as a friend of Chris's and says she needs to talk to him and asks if he's home. And uh, his Chris, he, his mom doesn't say anything and she just walks back inside and sits down. So Buffy comes in and closes the door and asks again if he's home. And uh, his mom doesn't answer Buffy. She just goes on about 
um, the video she's watching, which is, of course, one of Daryl's games. It's the Westbury game from November 17th of 1995, where Daryl rushed 185 yards for four touchdowns. And she says he was the MVP and he made all city that season. And Buffy's like, yeah, that was great. Uh, is Chris home? And uh, his mom says she doesn't know and then asks if it was, if there was school today. And then she quickly gets distracted and tells Buffy to watch the movie. And uh, it's more footage of Daryl. And um, Buffy spots the basement door and with the signs that say keep out and no admittance. And uh, um, Chris's mom says that Daryl would have been 19 next week. And uh, Buffy goes and heads down the basement. And she's looking around and she walks over to a table and she sees the pictures of herself and Willow and she finds the plans for the body with Cordelia's face pasted on top of it. And uh, realizes uh-oh. that Cordy is the target. Yes. Hold on. I lost my spot. Uh, well, someone uh, is creeping up behind her from the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, but the door opens and they both look up and um, Buffy hops out the basement window and Daryl watches her go, at which point we cut to the girls' Wait, locker uh, room. Wait, I just wanted to throw a quick uh, little tidbit out there. You know that that footage that they're watching that, or that, that the mother's watching on television, uh, the football footage? Mm-hmm. That's actual footage of the guy who plays Daryl that's actually footage of him in high school playing football. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I lied about that. It's not true. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say, I, where do you, I'm going to need to know where you're finding your information because I didn't see any of that when I was researching. <laughs> yeah, I completely made that up. I just wanted to fuck with you, so uh, you go oh, ahead. That's good. Nice. <laughs> um, uh I'm glad you said. I'm glad you clarified that because my next response was going to be, "Does anybody really care?" <laughs> like I always do to you. Yeah, that would have been yeah. good. That would have been good had I given you the chance to do so. <laughs> so uh, we cut to the girls' locker room, and Cordelia's putting on her lip gloss, and her lip gloss be popping. And we know what that means, right? Uh, no, what does that mean? I don't know. I saw when you knew. No. Okay. I don't know anything about girls. um, Me either. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's carry on. We're single. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on. Carry on. Uh, uh, Joy walks in, um, the cheer squad leader who we've met before. We met her in the first season. Is she the, oh yeah. Yeah. But I, it's the same. See, I thought Cordelia was the leader now. Because I thought that girl, Joy, I thought she was a senior last the, the previous season. Nope. Huh. I mean, she might she might have been and and, and failed and just, has to come back. Right. I mean, she is a cheerleader, so yeah. So clearly no, dumb. No, oh, I apologize. No, right away, <laughs> I, I apologize. 
to any current and or former cheerleaders that are might be listening. Let's be honest. Do that you really do you really cheer- think there would be a single solitary person <laughs> who either currently was I mean currently is or listen. was in the past a cheerleader listening to this fucking show? Listen. Uh, you know what? I want to make sure our bases are covered. Okay. All so right. I'm just going to apologize. I didn't mean it. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did, ladies. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, so Joy asks Cordelia if she's coming, and Cordy says, yeah, I'll be right out. And she finishes putting on her lip gloss, and Chris appears. And you know what that her. means, don't you, when they're doing lip gloss? No, we just went over this. Okay, we, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to see if you knew us. what that meant. Neither, neither one of us know. Oh, okay. but yeah. I, I presume in this scenario she's putting it on because she's about to go cheer at the football game and wants to look good. Oh, I don't even know what lip gloss is to be perfectly be honest my, with you, uh, or what the point of it is. It it makes your lips look shiny and more inviting. Oh, for the for the for the smooches. I don't think I want to kiss anybody with shit all over their mouth you want to kiss someone with dry ass cracked lips yes dry as dry and crackly as possible wow wait lip wait what wait 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 wait. lip gloss doesn't make your lips not i thought that was chapstick 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 is to help keep your lips from drying out lip gloss makes your lips shiny gives them a little shine makes them look look uh (laughs) moist for lack of a better term well, this shows how much attention I've paid to various females I've dated through the years. None. Wow. Zero. That's why you're single. That's why, you're why single. I am now single. Because I have paid no attention in 40, almost 44 years. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Chris pops up behind her in the mirror like the uber creeper he is. Yeah. And, uh, of course, she's scared and she turns to face him and she's like, oh, my God, you scared me. What are you doing here? Um, and he, he can't look at her. He like looks away from her and she's like, is something wrong? And she screams as we watch Eric put a bag over, her head put a fucking bag over her head and like pull it tight. Like, Oh, they're just going straight for murder right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and drag her off as Chris looks away in horror and we cut to, cut to the hall and Buffy comes around the corner and sees Joy and another girl coming down the stairs. And she's all like, where's Cordelia, bitches? <laughs> and, uh, um, and then she Joy's... drop kicks a motherfucker. <laughs> and Joy's like, uh, Cordelia has a game to think about. She doesn't need losers like you. Yeah. And that is a direct quote that I wrote down yeah. because I just thought it was very funny. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, even though uh, Bu- didn't Buffy save that bitch's life last season? Yep. Like literally you think saved she her cares? life. You think that bitch cares? Get away from me, lo- life-saving loser! <laughs> so uh, Joy Joy uh, tries to leave, and Buffy stops her, and she's like, "I'm sorry. What did you say?" <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. what they didn't show was Buffy beat the brakes off this bitch off camera. I right, mean, fucking right. curb stomped her there on the steps. Whew, it was right. brutal. 
Yeah, and of course they couldn't show that because Buffy's no. supposed to be the hero. Yeah, and, but she had to get the information know. somehow. Right, and it wasn't until more recent in television history where your heroes could also be, you know, bad guys. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, Joy's never going to walk again. No. no. She's, she's out of the cheer uh, squad. Oh, yeah, 100. You're Cordelia out, crippled is, loser bitch. Right, Cordy is 110%. Uh, cheer squad leader now because yes. Joy's crippled, and she was Joy's already crippled. the apex anyway of the pyramid. Right, right. Duh. And and does but does Cordelia ever thank Buffy? Yeah, exactly, no. exactly. No, never once do Not we see Cordelia fucking like, once. be like, "Hey, Summers, thanks for crippling Joy for me." Yeah, thanks for the beat down from Shy Town. That right. was dope, yo. Anyway. <sighs> Stupid. We cut back to the locker room, <laughs> and uh, Eric has Cordelia on the floor, and he's trying to tie her hands. and um, Very badly, I, I want to add. Right. But also, like, Eric is literally, like, half the size of Cordelia. Yeah, he, he's a very small little 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 man. <laughs> he's very small. Cordelia's easily got, like, a foot and a half. Yeah, and you know feet. she could probably just spin around and, and just fucking uppercut him, and he would be done for, like, an hour. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and Buffy comes running down um, uh, the hall and um, looks in the locker room and um, she sees what's going on and Eric sees her and gets up to defend himself and Buffy comes running in and, and straight up drop kicks his ass. Right. And Kick I'm like, wait a minute. If she, if she drop kicked him in, in the mush... With her Slayer feet, he would be fucking would, dead. Would he even have a mush anymore? Because he's only like, like you said, he's only like five three, a buck ten, soaking wet with right. rocks in his pockets. Like he right. would be fucking, his head would have come off his body, and she'd have been like, "Oh fuck!" Right. Which begs the question: Do we think? And I think the answer is obvious. Do we think Buffy? pulls her punches oh yeah of course when she's fighting regular people yes but how fucking I, I, interesting would this show be if she didn't if she, no not saying if she didn't that would be a totally different show that would be the boys <laughs> I was uh, saying, <laughs> yeah point. no this no how cool would this show be if she couldn't like control her like strength Oh, like she had troubles with it. So sometimes she, you know, she'd have to punch a regular person, and that fucker right. would literally die. Right. And they'd have to do something with the body. Like, oh shit, she killed another one. Like if it was something. Like she just throws a throws a quick hook, but like the guy's jaw comes like off of his face, like, and he's just like hit, dying slowly, gurgling, and she has to finish him off. It like something reminiscent of, and you're you're gonna hate this this illusion, but. Um, in the movie, after she first finds out she's the Slayer from Merrick, you remember she pushes Merrick, and yeah. it's just it's a it's a little it's a light dainty little push, but he he gets slides thrown. all the way down the bench, yeah, right, because yeah. she doesn't realize and can't control her Slayer strength at that point. But I think yeah, if they if they had gone for a complete origin story. Like in the beginning, that that her her learning how to control that that would have been 
interesting. Like how dark um, and fucked up could this show be? Right. Very, and now, very. And, and now all I want is for the Buffy reboot to be like a dark retelling reminiscent of the boys. Like on HBO Max or <laughs> on Netflix HBO or Max something. Or, like, right. Yeah. It's just fucking brutal. Yep. She like yeah. pushes somebody away, but like their arm, she pushes their arm and shoulder completely out of socket, <laughs> and the, so the rest of their life they walk around like all fucked up. And oh, dude, <laughs> they come back yeah. in a later season seeking revenge. And oh yeah, <laughs> um, no, 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 where was I? I have no oh. fucking idea um, where we left off. So, uh, so yeah, she she kicked him right in the mush. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, uh, um, he uh, he died. He, he he died. Let's make that clear. He passed away. Um, we will never see Eric for the rest of this episode because he's dead. <laughs> the end dead. credits. Dead. Let's rate this credits, bitch. The credits roll. Let's rate this. Bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, he uh, uh, he ends up getting up and running away as um, Buffy's making sure that uh, Cordelia's okay. Um, uh, and uh, she's like, uh, Cordelia hears music from the football field and um, she's like, you know, that's the fight song. It's it's time for the cheerleader pyramid. Uh, I I have to go. Buffy asks if she's sure she's okay to go out there, and um, uh, Cordelia's like, "You don't understand. I have to go. I'm the apex. <laughs> I have to go. If I don't go, lives will be lost." Buffy Summers, <laughs> and uh, so and Cordelia runs out. At which point, Buffy hears a noise and looks around, and um, uh, Chris walks out from the shadows and um, uh, Buffy tells him that she knows what he's trying to do and you know it's I'm wrong. on to you see I know what you're doing see <laughs> well, you're not going to get away with it see you're you not going to get away with it this body. time see yeah, you can't just steal you can't just steal bodies and build a woman see <laughs> look here copper you're never going to catch me see <laughs> and uh Chris says he has to, um, you know, I have to do this for him. He needs someone. Um, and Buffy's like, who, Eric? He he needs industrial strength therapy. And Chris is like, he always looked out for me, stood up for me. He's all alone. Everybody loved him, and he's all alone. And Buffy's like, you know, who the fuck are you talking about? And then she realizes... And yeah, and she seems like really, really horrified by this revelation. And I'm yeah. like, what's so ho- okay? He brought his brother back to life. Like, how is that more horrifying than they're cutting up dead bodies to create a fucking woman for this guy to be with? You know what I mean? Um, Priorities, yeah. Summers. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. But I also didn't get the impression that the look was based strictly on the idea that he brought Daryl back from the dead. I think it was more of a, a combination of the whole, the whole situation. Yeah, that could be like, like Oh my God, you're doing this to bring a chick back for your nasty for your, zombie brother right. to hump. Oh, 
what is wrong with this fucking school? I'm I'm moving. Right. She's like, I should really transfer. Yeah, I should really transfer because damn. Um so uh, and she, and then we cut to back to Chris's uh basement and Daryl's going fucking ape shit on the place and he's yeah. he's yelling and throwing things and flipping shit over. He's like, You promised you know, I wouldn't have to be alone. Eric's trying to calm him down. He's like, it's not too late. And Eric lifts him up by the shirt. And he's like, and Eric's like, you know, we can still do this. Even if it's you and me, your brother's not the only one who can create life. And Daryl puts him down. And and Eric's like, let's scare you up a date. Yeah. And that would have been a commercial break. And we come back. We're still in Christmas base, Chris's basement. We're in Christmas basement. We're in Christmas basement. Um, lots of pretty twinkling lights, tinsel. Um, <laughs> silver bells is playing. Silver, silver bells. Silver uh, bells. Soon it will be Christmas, Christmas time. Um, okay, sorry, folks. <laughs> now we know why we have no listeners. <laughs> Uh, and Buffy and Chris are they're coming down the stairs, hot to trot. And what's happening? What goes on from there, Jeremy? Uh, wow. Uh, things. I don't know. I'm completely <laughs> fucked. Uh, where did you leave off? <laughs> because uh, I was writing something to talk about later in the show. Um, uh, Chris. Buffy and Chris are now in Chris's are in Chris's basement immediately after Daryl and Eric have their little confrontation in Chris's basement. And Eric convinces Daryl that even if they don't have Chris's help, they can still finish building this body, this woman for for Daryl. Oh, okay. Uh, wow, I must be missing. I'm missing a chunk, but I I think I'm are they're now in the basement? Uh yeah. And yeah, okay. And uh, Erica's. Oh, no, that's not it. Okay, okay. We're at the football game, right? No. See, I'm missing something. Okay, so you know what? This is just a little part before we get to the video ga- video game <laughs> football game. So I'll I'll just finish it off. Okay, okay. Go ahead, because um, I'm I don't so, I guess I'm missing a chunk. So Buffy and Chris are now they're in Chris's basement. Buffy's looking around and yelling for Daryl and he's not there. And she asked Chris, where could he be? And Chris is like, well, he wouldn't, he would never go out unless, and Buffy cuts him off and says, he's going to pick up where you left off. And, um, she, she takes off back out of the basement and Chris follows her and we cut to the football game. Yeah. And Cordy's cheering along with the rest of the cheerleaders, obviously. And um, Jenny, Jenny and Giles are heading to their seat. They've got popcorn and a bunch of little pendants and, you know, doodads and gadgets and whatnot. And, yeah, they're talking, and, and Giles is kind of making fun of American football. He's just like, well, and she's like, what do you mean? Because she mentioned how much she loves it. And he's like, well, you know, I just think it's funny that a country that, you know, thinks they're so big and tough that, 
they have to put on 40 pounds of equipment to play rugby, and um, which is and he, so stupid because they're I, – I hate when I hear this because it's – they're completely different sports. But anyway, um, I won't even go into it, but – so I was, I was, I was going to say I agree with Giles. No, they're, it's, they're completely different games. Complete, completely. Anyway, um, so she, she, and she's she says something else that annoys me. She says, "Oh well, you're you know that's not a good thing to do on a date is put down your dates um, uh, pastime, the country's pastime, which football is not America's pastime sport. That would be baseball. Um, football is called America's game." So anyway, some more sports stuff that annoys me. Um, now, now football is the one where you have to score a touchdown, and baseball is the one where you run around the bases, right? Well, you have a football bat to start with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then he, oh well, he says, "Wait, did you, did you say a date?" And she's like, "Oh, you caught that, did you?" And so he's like giddy as hell. Um, so Willow and Xander show up, you know, saying they didn't find anything at Eric's house. And he's Giles is trying to kind of get him to uh, skedaddle so he can have some alone time with Miss Calendar. And they immediately sit down right in front of him. And Giles, or I'm sorry, Xander turns around and grabs some popcorn and starts eating. He's like, so what's the score? And uh, <clears throat> unbeknownst to them, Daryl is crawling under the stands. They're at the, he's at the game. And he's underneath the bleachers, and he's, you know, peeking out, and he's, he's seeing the football going on. You can tell he's really sad. It's, you know, it's bringing up memories and blah, blah, blah. Well, then he sees Cordelia, <clears throat> and uh, she leaves the f- field and kind of goes to the side and, and kind of behind the bleachers where the, like, the refreshments are for the, like, I would, I would assume it's Gatorade and water and whatnot. So she's, she's got to uh, – Vodka. <laughs> yeah, it's vodka. Um, so she goes to uh, hydrate herself, and uh, uh, he he uh, of course creeps up and grabs her from behind. And Sunnydale had scored, so everybody's up screaming and and cheering and everything. So nobody hears her screams when he grabs her. And um, then uh, Buffy and Chris show up just then, right about just then. And they see that Cordelia is not cheering, and she's not on the field. They don't can't see her anyway. So anywhere, so they know that something's up, yo. Uh, and we cut to commercial. When we come back. Cordy is blindfolded and restrained on like a basically a gurney, and um, in this new location, which is odd. And it's uh, uh, it's the. It's an old science lab. Well, yeah, I was going to – that comes later. They they say what yeah. what it is. But, yeah, it's just this new creepy-looking laboratory. And um, – Again, a lot, lot of evidence in this second episode that we have an expanded budget for the second season. Oh, yeah. Lot, a lot of new locations. Although, did you notice – have you noticed so far that any time we're, like, in a basement or underground, or what, it's always the exact same set. They just redressed it. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. basement of a kid's house is always that same basement, <laughs> that exact same basement. But anyway, 
you know, <laughs> show Daryl's in there and Eric's there and she sees Daryl and she's like fucking creeped the fuck out and she screams when she sees him and, you know, she's begging for him um, to not do this and... Um, um, Eric, Eric's telling her, you know, scream all you want. It doesn't matter. We're in an abandoned building. Nobody can hear you. And sh- so she does. She just keeps screaming. And then he grabs like a, I don't know, it looks like a fucking, one of those things you piss in in the hospital. <laughs> but he like raises it over his head like he's going to bash her in the skull with it. And she's like, okay, fuck. So she shuts up. It's a bedpan. Yeah, it's a bed. There you go, bedpan. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, Daryl, Daryl's, you know, saying, you know, he wishes he hadn't have ignored her back in the day when she was into him and, and now he appreciates her feelings and then, uh, Eric lifts up a sheet to show her the new body that she's going to go on. It's not going to hurt by the time she wakes up, she's going to be, you know, in a whole new, on a whole new body, the body of a 17 year old. And I'm like, wait a minute, she's supposed to be 17 now. But he's acting like this is a huge upgrade. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's yeah. like Cordelia's like it's not like she's fifty three and he's like, You're gonna be in the body of a seventeen year old. Right. <laughs> I don't right. get it. I don't know. No, I agree. I, I thought it was weird too. Like he's like you say, he's he's talking to her like her body is like useless and <laughs> yeah washed up and whatnot. Don't and worry, like, when you wake up you'll be young again. Instead of being right, eighteen you're going to be 17. <laughs> right. Like, you know? literally, right. She's, yeah. I mean, she can't be more, more than 18 at this point. Yeah. Well, they're juniors. So I would, I would assume right. she's 17. She, she's, right. She's 17, no more than 18. Yeah. And he's like, but you're going to be on the body of a 17 year old. She's like, oh, well, right. fuck in that case. <laughs> so anyway, meanwhile, Buffy has found Cordelia's pom poms by the water cooler. And so she's pretty sure Daryl's snatched her and you know she's she basically makes Eric tell her you know where the fuck are they you know where would they be where would he have taken her and that's when Eric tells her the abandoned science lab so um Buffy uh sends tells him to go and find Willow and Xander and bring them while she heads to that to the building to save Cordy because she doesn't want Cordy uh, to be decapitated. And uh, what happens next, Ames J? Um, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll take I'll keep going. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Uh, back at the lab. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm taking this scene, actually, because there's some things in here that bug the shit out of me. So we're back at this abandoned lab, and uh, Eric's preparing to behead Cordelia with a literal fucking butter knife it is a butter knife um you know she's trying to reason with them and they're basically just like no we got to cut your head off like i don't understand why the fuck they have to do all this why don't they just keep her prisoner and make her be his uh you know Love slave? <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it. You know what I mean? Like, right. no. Instead, we have to chop. We have to slowly saw your head off with this butter knife, and then reattach said head to this piece together body over here. So, uh, my 
my presumption, my take on it is that so Daryl as established won't go out in public because of how he looks. Yeah, I get it. And the whole running away oh, thing, but Right. So my presumption is that not only does he want them to create a, a woman for him because in his mind and maybe rightly so hello, hello? um um no woman would would want to be with him because of how he looks um is also the idea that if he if he has a girlfriend that looks equally as horrific as he does going out in public won't be such a big deal see what i'm saying i I guess i don't know it just the whole thing seems very fucking shaky and stupid to me because you're right like (laughs) this sounds weird to say but logically speaking just kidnapping a girl and keeping her locked in the basement would 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 be fine. Seems but to have I worked think, well for most of the creepy serial killers in the world. Right. You know? But I think the but I think the idea is to create someone who is essentially just like Daryl so that he can try and and like go out he can go out in public with someone that looks like him and not be such a distraction. I guess. Is, 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 is my presumptuous thinking behind it. The whole thing just seems stupid to me. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, she promises, she tells him that she, you know, she will stay with him, you know, no matter what, if they just don't do this. And he doesn't believe her. He's like, you know, he knows he's grotesque and, Yada, yada. And he figures once she's like that, she won't go out and run away, and she'll stay hidden with him forever and ever and ever, and blah, blah, blah. And so Eric's like, okay, let's let's get this done. Now, these, both Eric and, and Chris, are clearly supposed to be brilliant scientific minds, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, doesn't it seem fair that there would be a much easier way to decapitate this girl than to do it while she's awake with a butter knife. Well, yes, but I think they're at the point now where like, like we're, we're in the, we're down to the wire. Like they've been, they couldn't just knock her out really quick and chop it off with like an ax. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, anyway, (laughs) pretty fucking brutal. Like, so Daryl, you know, holds her still and, and and Eric is getting ready to start sawing with the literal butter knife. Uh, just then, of course, Buffy breaks in. Eric spins and in a moment of uh, athleticism, throws the knife at Buffy, and it, but she catches it because she's the fucking Slayer. <laughs> and uh, then he immediately runs and like hides. <laughs> and Buffy tells Daryl that. You know, Chris sent her to stop him, and he's like, "No, he'd never do that. He's my brother." Blah blah blah, and so he runs over and grabs a like a fucking saw, and runs back to Cordy to to just hurry up and saw her head off. And of course, Buffy runs up, knocks the saw out of his hand, and punches the shit out of him. And 
um, they start going back and forth. Um, Xander and Willow get there about that time. Xander runs over um, to uh, help Cordy. And about this time, there's a gasoline can, for whatever reason, full of gas sitting in there that gets knocked over while uh, Buffy and uh, Daryl are fighting. And gas, of course, starts pouring out on the floor. Oh, there also happens to be a Bunsen burner going. For reasons. Well, no, the um, <clears throat> didn't he didn't he initially warm up the knife in the flame of the Bunsen burner? Yeah, but why? Okay. To make cutting through her neck easier. Oh, so he's being he also put gloves on, right? Because he didn't. Right. Okay, okay, yeah. So then, of course, said Bunsen burner gets knocked over, ignites. Well, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying not only to make make cutting through easier but also to cauterize the wound as he's cutting okay okay i got you now uh so yeah now there's a big fire raging excuse me and um you know xander is is struggling with the bombs trying to get cordelia free um at one point uh, Daryl basically gets the upper hand on buffy He, he he picks her up and does like an actual like professional wrestling body slam to her and she is pretty much done and he grabs this chair like a school chair and he's gonna he's gonna finish her off you know and he rears back with it and he's about to come down and that's when Chris comes in and screams his name and he's like no you know don't do it and for whatever reason he stops um uh so at this point uh, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out how it happened because there's no explaining. There's just no explaining it. Uh, he <laughs> he puts the desk down. He's not gonna do it. He looks up and sees the cart. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 Xander couldn't get Cordelia free. So he ends so, up just throwing his body onto hers on the cart and pushing it out and riding it out like a like a surfboard, basically. Right. So now through she's the, through the flames. Right. So now they're safe. Um, uh, Giles and Willow have picked up the unconscious Eric and drug him out, so they're safe. And then Daryl <laughs> sees he sees the the uh, the stitched together female corpse. It doesn't have a head. It's laying over there, and it's it's beginning to become engulfed by flames. And he knows it's over. And he's like, no! And he runs over there, and he, <laughs> he, he climbs on top of it, and he's laying on top of it. And it just looks funny, the camera shot, like he's humping pillows or something. I don't know. And he says, we'll always be together. Oh, and the flames engulf them both. And Buffy, who's now regained uh, her senses holds Chris back because he's wanting to run in and save his brother. And and uh, so, yeah, it's over. Uh, the guy just burned himself to death. It was just, we'll discuss it, but it's stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, so after the this is all over, now, now, of course, all the police and the fire trucks and everything are there. And Buffy sits down to talk to Chris. And just, just about then, Angel, Angel gets there and... Uh, you know, he's like, I saw the fire, and 
assumed you were here. You know, is everybody okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. And then we cut to uh, Giles bringing a couple of, look, probably cups of coffee up to uh, Jenny and hands Jenny one and apologizes uh, for how the evening went. And I got a clip, and I'll just I'll just go ahead and play the clip and let that speak for itself. Sorry about all this. It's okay. Although a good rule of thumb for a first date is don't do anything so exciting that it'll be hard to top on a second date. Believe it or not, since I moved here to live on top of the Hellmouth, the events of this evening actually qualify as a slow night. Did you just say second date? You noticed that, huh? So, they're apparently going to have a second date. Uh, good on Giles. Good on, good on G-Man. <laughs> Never call me that. Uh, Xander and Willow are walking together, complaining about how even vampires and school librarians can get dates, but they never seem to be able to. And just then, Cordelia comes up to Xander, and she's, like, being really sweet and kind, and she's like, you know, what you did was heroic, and, and I want to thank you if there's ever anything I can do. And he's like, yeah, do you mind? We're talking here. <laughs> and she's like, wow, okay. So she just turns around and leaves, and, and they continue talking about how they can never find love. And, uh, but, uh, so, yeah, that, uh, that covers that scene, and uh, there's one scene left. If you want me to, I'll just. No, I'll take it. Okay. So. We cut to the cemetery, and Angel and Buffy are taking a romantic stroll through the through the tombstones. Yes, yes. Um, Angel's wearing uh, his his tan jacket that you love so much mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, he's also wearing a pair of khakis and some Dockers <laughs> because he's fifty eight. Uh, um, they're talking about how um, Buffy's talking about how the whole thing's creepy, but at the same time, you know, Chris did do it for his brother and, um, you know, Angel's like, you know, seems like he took it over the edge. Buffy says, love makes you do the wacky. And um, uh, Angel questions what she means and she just says crazy stuff and, He says, you know, like a 241-year-old being jealous of a high school junior. And uh, um, Buffy asks if he's fessing up. And he says he thought about it and maybe it bothers him a little. And she says she doesn't love Xander. And uh, Angel gives this little monologue about how maybe, but, you know, he gets to be a part of her life. You know, he gets to be there when, when he can't and take her classes and eat her meals and hear her jokes and complaints. And Xander gets to see her in the sunlight. <laughs> and Buffy's like, I don't look that good in direct light. <laughs> and uh, um, Angel comments that it'll be morning soon. And Buffy says she should probably go, but she could walk him home. And they give each other a look, and credits roll. They're obviously going to his place to fuck. Wow. I'm just so calling they, it like it is. The look they gave each other. No, and No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, he is going no. to deflower a 17-year-old girl, no, and he's, he's 241. 
Not yet. He's not. I mean, no, he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, James. Let's rate. Oh, what? Um. Uh, hold on, just a minute. Um. You interrupted me to tell me to hold on. Yeah, because you do this every week. We're not at the rating portion yet. Well, we are on my fucking format. <laughs> um, we are at, where are we at? We are at uh, this week's Monsterology. We always did rates before. No, we didn't. We did rates, then goofs, gaffs, deleted scenes, body count, then mythology. So you, sir, can go and fuck yourself. <laughs> I will have to check the transcripts from last season. I'm not sure that's adequate. Can 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 you see? Can you see the the, the podcast the, the format? Mm. Well, that's last season. This is now. Oh, you <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Go ahead. You know, go ahead and do your thing. We'll mix it up. We'll we'll go crazy with it. Um. Well, this is how this is how we did it last week. So. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Well, you'll have to you'll have to run this thing because I don't have your version of the format. So you, it's yeah, it's in it's 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 in easy the, for you uh, to say. It's in the drafts email of our email account. Oh yeah, I'm far too lazy to <laughs> give a fuck about logging into that. <laughs> uh, all right, monstrology for this week, obviously. This episode clearly heavily influenced by 1818's Frankenstein by Mary Wollstonecraft uh, Shelley. Um, and the modern probably, Prometheus. What? And the modern Prometheus. Right. Um, probably uh, more specifically, though, uh, 1935's Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and definitely hints of um, 1985's Weird Science. Weird Science. Yes. Uh, the greatest cinematic event ever. Uh, well, okay, we can discuss kidding. that another time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did love it, though. Uh, oh, I love it, too. I love it, too. Um, our body count this week is two. Really? I thought there were two bodies. Yep. Well, if you count the three, the three girls that got killed in the car accident. Okay. I but guess. I guess that did actually technically happen... Two weeks prior, so before right. the episode. So, okay. Right. I got right. you. Um, I'll let it slide this time. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. You are welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our uh, behind the scenes this week, um, where are we? Oh, um, so this is the first episode uh, to use Anthony Stewart Head. Um, for the opening teaser, um, uh, instead of the generic WB announcer voice for both the previously on and uh, in every generation uh, teasers for Buffy. The opening um, prologue, you mean? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and the uh, um, the uh, football stadium uh, featured in the episode is the football stadium at West High School in Torrance, California. Uh, this is the first time that uh, Ms. Callender's first name is revealed. Is it? Yep. I'll be damned. Yep. 
That's right, because she says to him at one point, well, just call me Jenny. Yep. That's right. Um, yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, the episode pulled a Nielsen rating of 3.2 million households when it originally aired. That was... People that don't know ratings out there, trust me, that was good back then. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Um, if you're not familiar with how that works, um, certain households are picked to have... Um, I, I think they still use it's actually they a don't physical. they don't oh they don't yeah ratings they don't. and like quarter share stuff it has everything has changed so much has it that this doesn't even really register anymore with people because they don't understand it but yeah basically that means three point two million households and and they considered each household two and a half people right so right. you know you figure. Two and a half times 3.2 million, that's roughly how many people were watching this episode. That's a fuckload. Right. Um, and like I was going to say, and obviously, like you said, they don't they do not do it like this anymore, presumably, because... Yeah. So much streaming uh, and, right, and everything Right, how people like watch has changed. But um, I believe back then there was actually a physical box yep. that they gave to Nielsen households. And you weren't allowed to tell anyone that you had it, that you were right. a Nielsen household. Right, um, and that's how they—that's how they got their rating statistics. Mm-hmm. And you got, and I believe you. So I believe they paid you. You got like a stipend every month, uh, right. like fifty bucks or something a month for doing it. So just, and all you had to do was literally just watch TV, whatever you were going to normally right. watch. Right. So and keep. So that's something else to keep in mind with these ratings. That's just th- three point two million households that were Nielsen households. Right. So right. how, you know, however many other households that that didn't have the Nielsen box, you know, to keep track of it. Right. But um, our bronze band this week, none. We weren't even in the bronze at all nope. this week. Sure weren't. Um, our music this week. Uh, none. We didn't just, even have any music this week. Uh, just the original <laughs> score um, as composed by Christoph Beck, Sean Clement. Um, Sean Murphy and Adam Fields. Uh, goof em ups and oopsies. Goof em ups and oopsies. Um, and I put this on here. I don't really know if it is one or if it was intentional. Um, it could go either way. So in the library, when Cordelia is monologuing about her pain and Giles gives her that little pat on the back and says, they're there. Um, you can see her say thanks, but there's no audio. Yeah, yeah. No ADR um, there. Right. Um, the newspaper clipping of the cheerleaders from Fondant High, uh, they all have a big letter J on their sweaters, which... Which I, J but, for Fondant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, so... Uh, I have that listed here too, because like, why you would presume it would be a, a big F, but no, whatever. That wouldn't make any uh, sense, James. Uh, and that's all I have for all uh, our categories. There, do you have anything? Jeremy? I actually, I have just a couple of things. Um, Please hit me. Angel reveals in this episode that he is two hundred and forty-one years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. The the old science building where they were for the you know for the the 
um, the end, end of the episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was at the school, okay, and that was the original science building that was destroyed, basically, during the earthquake of 37, the one that trapped the master uh, underground. Okay, okay. Um, again, this is the one and only time we see Angel in that stupid fucking jacket. So that's a good thing. And that's all I've got. Okay. All right. So tell me then, Jeremy, how many reanimated brother corpses would you give this episode? I am going to give this, I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it three reanimated brother corpses because it's a fun, I don't know. I'm soft. I'm really soft with season two and you know why. I do Um, know why. And it's, you know, these episodes are just, even the ones that are cheesy or that have you know, problems, I would say. Still, they're just little fun episodes. They're not meant for anything earth-shattering or, or, you know, mythology-changing or, you know, anything. They're just little fun kind of episodes, and they're still a little bit trying to find their, what their show is about, you know, kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three. I thought about a 2.5, but, I, you know, there's enough funny little quips and stuff in here um, and some good action um, that, that I'm going to bump it up and give it a three. The only real complaint I have about the episode, other than the little things we nitpick as we're going along, but I never consider those like big, big issues. But this is my biggest issue with this episode is that they never explain how or why these two high school kids are able to bring people back to life. Right. Never. They never right. say, okay, is it, is it, is it magic? Is it um, some type of, you know, demonic based? Uh, are they fucking Jesus? Are, you know, uh, they're just, they literally just bring people back to life. These, and it's apparently only these two know how to do it. Right. So, yeah, that bugs the shit out of me. Other than okay. that, I give it a three. All right. James. Yes, sir. How many Slayers would you give this episode? Because I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to give this episode two Slayers. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And one of them may be a dead Slayer. Oh, wow. This episode is trash. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, James. Don't hold back. This is such a downgrade from... Um, the season premiere, which I already had issues with. Yeah, you, you, you weren't a big fan of the season premiere. Um, this felt, and, and I'll get into this after I say this, because I didn't mention it in my behind the scenes. This felt like a season one episode. Yeah, oh, it did. It definitely did. Um, and that is because it this episode was produced back in season one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can um, tell by Buffy's hair. Yeah, that too. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, I know you're a little more forgiving because it is season two. Um, I tend to think that that's going to make me a little harsher. Yeah, you're going to be the that... exact opposite dick about this episode, <laughs> or about this season. Because um, you know I, I love this season. 
in season one because uh, I did. I cut a lot of slack in season one because it was a new show. It was a mid-season replacement. They were trying to find themselves um, in a lit- in a limited episode run. Um, so uh, for them to come back um, within the second season and um, uh, with a bigger budget, um, with better talent in place behind the scenes, uh, and to to run this first season trash at us <laughs> but this is but this is a first this was made in the during the first season right so you so got to keep that I, in mind um it just i it, yeah it's just not a great good episode to me um it does have its redeeming qualities there's a lot of a lot of great dialogue and and funny lines in it um i I I like it when um, writers try to give their spin on on classic uh, horror or sci-fi stories, which obviously they did here with Frankenstein. Um, so so it does it does earn some uh, some redemption points there from me. Uh, but overall, uh, I I'm just not a fan of it i i would skip it oh yeah oh yeah yeah i wouldn't no this is definitely not a must-see episode by any means the greatest thing is that it gave us you know vegan zombies so right speaking of which i did manage to find which is why i lost my place where we were earlier um so zombies uh in the buffy verse are strictly mindless undead creatures capable of certain physical actions such as walking and killing um they can the the corpses can be reanimated through resurrection um or possession or voodoo um the they according to giles um they're they're not known for eating flesh. Anya claimed that real zombies uh, don't eat human flesh unless instructed to by their masters. Um, and Wesley at one point tells Gunn that the stereotype of flesh-eating zombies is nothing but a myth and that they typically merely only mangle uh, mutilate and sometimes wear human flesh, but never eat it. So, well, I love so, I love how it's specifically stated in that that you're reading that they're able to do certain actions like walking and killing. <laughs> and killing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so so apparently the take on zombies in the Buffyverse is more of a. Um, for lack of a better better term, quote unquote, real world uh, take on on uh, the idea of zombies created through voodoo curses, in which they're just mindless beings that do whatever they're instructed to do by a, a higher master. But so, I can live with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think that does it for us for this episode. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything. Nothing at all. all right. How about you? No? No? 
Well, I'm glad. Right. It, I'm glad this episode's over. Yeah, and we can move on to bigger and better things. <laughs> bigger and better things. Uh, <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us this week, as you do every week. Join us next week for season two, episode three, "School Hard," which happens to be my favorite episode. I've been one of your hosts. I'm Jeremy. Well, hold on a minute. Oh, oh, Let's oh, not oh. forget to let everybody know that they can find us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and TikTok, and Twitter um, at, uh, at Slade Podcast on all platforms. Email us at BuffyRevisited at gmail.com. Um, hit us up at BuffyRevisited.com. Uh, they'll have, it'll have links, easy links to all our, all our accounts, uh, like I said, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and and TikTok. Thank you, James. And yep. uh, we would really like for you guys to reach out to us um, yes. in, with, in any way, shape, or form at this point. Because, like, frankly, I'm tired of talking to Jeremy every week. Right. I'm tired of hearing myself. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing my own voice. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, I've been one of your hosts. I'm Jeremy. I'm your other host, James. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.